Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, our topic is a bit simple, but very deep. Very, very, very deep. And... um, I pray to God that I would have the utterance to fully express my heart and conviction concerning the things that I'm about to share with you tonight because I know that they will change your life. Now, when you start the walk of life, the way of life, the questions of life change as you continue to grow in salvation. The questions that you had when you had just become born again are different from the questions that you have now in God. Do you agree? For example, when you had just become born again, you had questions on salvation. How do I keep my salvation? How do I walk righteous? How do I live holy? You had questions on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How am I filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? How do I live a Christian life? How do I get rid of this habit? I got born again, but some habit stayed in me. How do I do this? You had questions. And as you continue to grow, the questions what? Change. Why? Because some of the things that you had questions over, you got answers for. And as you continue to mature in God, certain things become more important than other things. Certain things start to mean much more to you than some things because you are evolving. Some of you, you were in school, you went to work and something changed on your life. Some of you have entered marriage, something changed on your life. Some of you entered a business as you grew in life and something changed your life either for the better or for the worse. Some of you joined ministry and started serving. You're evolving and so your questions are what? Are evolving as well. And uh, today I want to address a very fundamental question in the faith that I have seen many, many times, many Christians are struggling with. And I want to title that someone or this someone, uh, the wisdom or the mystery or the power or how to launch deeper in the revelation of God, how to launch deeper. Because God has not called you to be a shallow Christian. Eh? He has not called you to just stay compromised and you know, you're just a normal person. Oh, you go to church, you come, you have children, that's all. No, God has called you to be a unique individual. He has called you for an exceptional glory. And so sometimes as you continue to grow, like I said, you want to launch deeper in the revelation of God. Why? Because you have come to the realization and appreciation that this revelation or wisdom that I need in God is going to shape everything that I need. Because there was a time in your life where you thought everything would be fixed by prayer. And you prayed until you realized that certain things would not be fixed by prayer. You needed to have a certain wisdom in God. Do you agree? And then you started pursuing wisdom. 
you started pursuing understanding. You want to launch deep in the knowledge of God. You might not stand on the pulpit like Apostle Grace, but whether you are in your business or your career, your projects, the institution where you have been hired, the school where you're going to, that university, wherever God has blessed you, you are in the perfect will of God. And even there, the Lord demands a service that might not necessarily be like the altar that I'm standing on this Sunday, but in whatever office God has placed you, it becomes a sort of altar and it demands a certain purpose from you. Do you agree? And so you want to serve God even in whatever you're doing. You want to serve God in that desk. You want to serve God in that school. You want to serve God some other way. But to serve him, you have to know him. You understand what I'm saying? You want to know him. You want to know God. Who is God? How does he work? And then God starts to deal with you as an individual. And those dealings are hard because they are breaking, they are crushing. They are going to frustrate many things. Some of you, you were born or raised with an inflated ego. If somebody doesn't address you with a certain title, you could flip them and kill them. And the gospel teaches you that it's okay even if somebody calls you by your one name. You understand? God breaks you into humility. God breaks you out of comfort zones and you even sit in the most uncomfortable places. Some of you, a few years ago, you could not even sit in such a room. It ain't match your standards. Some of you, a few months ago, a few years ago, you could not even sit next to that person you're seated next to. They don't match the kind of people that you could sit next to. Some of you, years ago, you'd say, ah, why would I listen to that young boy? God has broken you so much. Ambambi, you're here. And you call me Papa. <laughs> God has dealt with you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yes, you are going to have rowdy fellows at your workplaces and night nasty attitudes in your institutions. You're going to work with the most difficult people, most complicated people. You're going to work with crazy people. You're going to work with unbearable people. You're going to work with ungrateful people. You're going to work with hypocrites. You're going to work with snakes. Some of them, you'll call them frogs. You're going to date the wrong person and then Bakube, they cut you out. You're going through a process of growing. You're learning and unlearning. You see, one time I was dealing with a case of somebody who said, I'm not going to church. Why did my mother die? You understand? So the guy's mother died, eh? and then he divorced God because he prayed and didn't get an answer. And then you come out of church first because you're annoyed. And then he still draws you back and you say, eh, I think I was stupid. Why would I desert God? Because I had an issue. You see, but you are in a process and it's appreciated that you're growing with God. But like I said, you start to price certain things. You separate, the Bible calls them the precious from the vile. Because God wants to make you his mouthpiece in a certain way. And then you learn that, oh, I think I need to launch deeper as a believer. Eh? Some of you, you did not leave your former churches because you quarreled with your pastor. Some of you did. You had war. And then they brought fire on you and you say, ah, me let me go. Castafanero is a big church. I can hide there. I will find you. I will find you. But, quite honestly, some of you perhaps sat under certain teachings. And at one point, they stopped working. Not that the pastor was bad, you actually love him. But, you outgrew certain things. And they stopped communicating to you. Not that you don't want to hear, or that you're not humble, but some things refused. You outgrew certain 
places. So you don't judge where you come from and say, oh, that's a bad church, or oh, I don't agree with this, unless you saw something that was really out of line. And some of us come from churches where it was really the opposite of the kingdom of God. Eh? There was a madness, and you saw things, and you're like, eh, how do people actually minister like this? Notwithstanding that, but some of us actually came from good churches, but we just outgrew the doctrine. You understand? You just outgrow. And God is dealing with you. And some judged you. You've gone in that cult. They are what? You understand? They labeled you. And now they're observing you to wait for you to fail. You so somebody's here because of that. And there's someone who just also came because your friends told you money. There's this guy who teaches it. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. You understand? And then you what? You also came. You think you know why you're here, but you don't even have a clue. But you're just enjoying the sermon. Hallelujah. And that's all right. You're welcome. Because I have realized all of us have a story where God dealt with us in our ignorance. And you look back and say, Naemo Kama, how did you even deal with me with this attitude? Have you ever been there? And then you're like, hey God, even in this madness, you were with me. What a merciful God. What a merciful God. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. So we say, okay now, if you're at a point where you want to launch deep in the revelation of the person of God, if you want to go deeper, you're not just saying it because it, it sounds good. Like I told you, we have many Christians who do things because they sound good. Okay? You are going to school because it's a good thing to go to school. You're going to work because it's a good thing to go to work. You've come to Sunday service because it's a good thing to come to Sunday service and it's good for your children and your wife to see you going to church. You see, you still have people like that. But then, when you find purpose, many things start reconciling themselves and you really feel the mandate and responsibility in your life in the things that you must do because you have a personal relationship with God. Are you following? Now, you will endure inconveniences. Some are going to be discomforts. Some things are not going to work the way you want them to work and some things are not going to adjust and you, that's when you come in these services, that's where you start working with the funny usher, the security guy who is very tough, who pushed me a bit. Eh? And you still have people who say, me, I'm not going back to church because the guy pushed me. You understand? But then you outgrow it. God starts to consecrate your heart. And one of the most ardent definitions of that consecration is his dealing, particularly in the vision that you have concerning him. Because we all relate with God on the vision we have concerning him. When a man teaches a doctrine, they're defining a vision of God. So we all have different visions of God. One time, Bishop Benjamin took me to India and uh, we went to minister there the first time I went in India. Somebody told me that they wanted to take my photo, that they wanted to take my picture and put it in their house next to the other things they had. Says so that you're so chua, and then they put your picture somewhere, the God of Apostle Grace. You see. <laughs> but it's because Asia, Africa, we share a lot in the interpretation of things. You understand what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? So, perhaps that person did not know that this God does not stand with other gods. They did not know that I'm just a conduit and a man in whom God is working, but that he can work in them too. It happens. 
It happens. So anyway, in the consecration of your heart, he says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my way. You see that in the consecration of your heart, there is no way God will not deal with your vision concerning him. That's the beginning of that consecration. He's dealing with your vision concerning him. To know him as he is in his true nature and essence, not in what you assume he is and he is not. Because like I said, many people, even the Bible says, have a wrong stand on visions. A wrong stand on visions. When you start to observe the ways of God and see how he works, you study the patterns. You realize that he's a God of principles. He's a God of laws. And that you cannot go besides the principles that he has set for you in scripture. You cannot have your way. You'll always have to align yourself to his principles and agree with them and realize that when you do that, when you observe his ways and know how he works and you pattern yourself according to those ways, now that's what they call a positioned person. What does it mean to be positioned right? To be positioned right is when your heart is aligned to the true vision of God. That's true positioning. And when God positions you, certain things that are unsearchable will start looking for you. Because there are things God has put that a seeker will not find, but a positioned man will be found of those things. You get my point? There are things that if you say, I'm going to search, eh? the Bible says, pray unto me and I shall show you great and unsearchable things. Things which you would not know. So that means there are things in God that are not in the place of searching. You cannot search them. You can only position yourself and these things find you. Why? Because there is an examination of your heart before these things are given to you. Your heart in examination is key. The right vision of God is key before these things are given to you. Paul says, unto whom I'm least of all saints, was given unto me this grace to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. But he called them the unsearchable riches of Christ. You cannot search them because your spirit knows how to seek. And let me tell you something. Born again or not, there are people who have understood the spiritual realm enough to search out certain things. And you might find people even in the occult or the other world of darkness, who know so much about God than many Christians, but they're not born again because they're seekers. The human spirit can search so much. When I was younger, I realized very early that I could access the spirit realm, very early, when I was a little boy. And I grew up very aware in the spirit and awakened. I just had the grace not to speak the match that I saw, but I always saw things. I would sit there and see my friend falling down, boo -boo -boo -boo, and rolling, and they fall down. I would know who would die. I would dream things. I was switched on. And then I was born again. But I had not yet understood the difference between the work of the Holy Spirit and the deliberate intention of the human spirit that can go ahead and without the Holy Spirit, and still be able to break into certain realms. Do you know that a man who is not born again can break into places in the Spirit and see even access things that 
Many people are not able to see. Do you know there are men who are not born again, but I've seen the angelics. They've had visions of angels. They've broken into certain places. You see what I'm saying? Do you know the vision Isaiah has in the year Uzziah died was not an invitation from heaven. He was praying and he broke through portals and he interrupted the meeting in heaven. And he says, and I heard a voice saying, whom shall we send? Why didn't they say, Isaiah, we've been waiting for you to sit here. By the way, we want to send you. No. Elohim, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were in a conversation of divine purpose. And a certain young man broke into the spirit and accessed the heavenlies. And when he accessed the heavenlies, he found himself in a conversation. And they said, whom shall we send? He doesn't know what. Because he began the conversation of whom shall we send. But because he's conscious that he has broken into a sacred place with God, he said, send me, Lord. And now God has to walk behind and explain the mandate to him. So it is possible to break into the spirit realm in either a dark place or a place that God has called you or has allowed you into. I'll give you another example. In the Bible, we have a prophet called Balaam. Scripturally, Balaam prophesied the coming of Jesus. He's among the few prophets in scripture who clearly give a clear vision of the coming of Christ. But the Bible says that he used to give in to the gainsayings of Korah. He used to transact with familiar spirits and sometimes Balaam prophesied under another spirit except the spirit of God because the Bible says he loved money. That's why in the Bible they say he has an error. He ran greedily. He had an error. The Bible calls it the error of Balaam because he perished in the gainsaying of Korah. You see that? He used to yield to familiar spirits. So when I was younger, one time I said, let me enter the spirit. Hmm? Curious. And I had access. So I entered the spirit realm and I saw things. Beings appeared. They came to talk to me. I could see everything as I'm seeing you. The spirit realm opened. And then the Lord through an angel, came and snatched my spirit and threw me back in my body and told me, never go in places I have not led you. I was so scared, so afraid. And from that day, I learned that as a believer, you have to exercise yourself in how God should lead you. If the Spirit of God has not led you into a place spiritually, don't go there because you lust. That is why I don't believe in these new teachings I hear on the pulpits where people tell people, oh, you know, if you want to enter in the Spirit, you just enter. For what? How many demons are flying right now in the air? And God has not let you see them because you don't need to. So because you don't see them, it doesn't mean that you are carnal than the guy seeing them because the people who are seeing them but they're not in relationship with God and neither are they seeing them for the right purpose. So there's a wisdom to ask God that you should see the things you must see and it's okay if I don't see because he knows what I need to see and he knows what I don't need to see. 
The reason why man fell is the last Eve had to see. The Bible says, and she saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. How do you envision wisdom? How do you define wisdom? How do you get a vision of wisdom? And it's through that that she ate that forbidden fruit because the devil sort of tricked her. God knows that you will be able to see. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. So man is enticed into a realm of vision where they do not need because God knows how much you need to see and how much you don't need to see. Some things are not relevant. That's what they call forbidden wisdom. Some things are not relevant for you. You don't need to see some things. There are some demons you will see by purpose and there are some you don't need to see because it doesn't add anything to you. Are you following what I'm saying? So anyway, back to what I was trying to say here. So we want to get to a point of understanding a fundamental principle on how to launch deeper in the revelation of God, in the things of God. And God has given us one law. In Luke chapter 16, verses 10, he says, he has brought in the principle of faithfulness. And he says, he that is faithful in the least is also faithful in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. God is telling me and you that when you are faithful in the little, there is an opportunity for you to be promoted in more. And if you are unjust in the little, you frustrate the grace that should add more on you. We live in a world, accepting or not, you might be, we live in a world of promotions and demotions. The Bible says that promotions come from neither east nor west, but they come from God. We live in a world of promotions and demotions. And some offices in the spirit are not given to many. That is why in the next line he says, for he putteth down one and setteth up another in the same place. So what this will look like will be the promotion at your workplace. What this will look like will be your promotion in your career, the new business contract you're going to have, the new project that you'll start and build and it shall prosper, the businesses that you start and they shall prosper, that car you bought, that house you have built, you know, the growth that you'll have as a ministry, the things that are going to add on. Spiritually, these are promotions. The marriage you're entering, the what? All of these are what? Promotions. Do you understand? There is a believer in the world who is either not living in the promotions that God has given or is not moving at the speed that they expect to be moving in God. Are you following me, saints? There are believers like that in the world, and there are many. And some of you right now listen to me, probably even have a frustration in your heart that I think something in this area has failed to grow. I feel I've not seen promotion in this area. I've not seen growth in this area. I've not seen an advancement in this area. Everything that God adds unto you is a promotional thing. And in some instances, he has to set down certain people in some. Not all, but in some. Some of the positions that you've occupied, somebody was fired. Isn't it? Some of the projects that you're running, somebody lost that tender and they gave it to you. That's the promotion of God. You see what I'm saying? But these promotions are as a result of a certain launch in God. Because 
anybody will tell you if you're building a building, you can only go as high as deep. Certain buildings by their height cannot be supported by the depth that you have dug. So the deeper you launch, the higher you're able to what? To build. One time I was watching a documentary and a certain building that built was two times deeper than its height on top because of the topography and many other things. They were explaining it, the science architects know that better. But you see what I'm saying? That sometimes in some buildings, they need to put more down than they're able to come up because of the circumstances. So it is with your life. It's common sense that to go upward and grow, there are certain depths that you need to go in God. Are you following what I'm saying? And God has given you this and he said, to whom much is given, much is required. God has given this to you that if you are faithful in the little, much more will be given. So that means some of us don't have access to deeper places in God because of our faithfulness in what we have already been given or what we have at that particular moment. Are you following me? For example, the Bible says in Corinthians that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Very deep thing. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. Let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You are keepers of the secrets of God. You see? Now, let me give you an example. Did you know that there is a difference between the gift of God given to a man and a mystery of God entrusted to a man. Gifts are given. Mysteries are entrusted. You get it? If you have a healing anointing, that's a gift. You can be a good speaker. That's a gift. A good teacher by speech, articulation. That's a gift. But for God to entrust you his secret, that's stewardship. You get the difference? And how you deal with a gift is different from how you deal with the stewardship of a thing given to you by God. Because this comes with more responsibility. The stewardship comes with more responsibility than the gift. The gift is without repentance. You can mess up all your life and still touch a lame man if you have a healing anointing and they'll walk. If some of us have read modern church history, William Branham was judged by God for false teaching. You can go and read the book God's Generals or any other works of Branham. I mean, he taught strange things. He said that uh, Eve was impregnated by a serpent in the garden. That's the birth of Cain who killed Abel. That's the only way sin came into Things that were off. So he said that Cain was the child of the serpent. It copulated with Eve. You know those kinds of things. So really the man of God taught things that were off. But when William Branham stood on a stage to pray for the sick, you'd see anointings and power like you had never imagined. Because that was a gift operating on his life. Whether he's agreeable to the doctrine or not, that one will flow. God doesn't repent over it. So you still have people who justify men of God only in the realm of gift. This is a man of God because a lame man walked. <laughs> That's the classification of people they call gullible. You know, I tell people, I was reading a portion of scripture recently, Proverbs 14, 15, and one of the versions said, gullible people believe anything they are told and the prudent sift and weigh every word. You see the difference? When you are prudent, you sift and weigh every word. When you're gullible, Proverbs has said, you believe every word. You know, there are people, especially people who 
I've been raised in pragmatic languages who are not connected to lethargic languages or even in the lethargic, the spirit was never educated. You can come and tell them, do you know? Um, let me use a name like Nathan. Do you know Nathan moves with two snakes in his car? What? Oh my God, I can't believe it. But, but it's the shock of I've actually believed it. And then they connect. No wonder the back doors are dark. They are tinted. Even last time I told him to give me a lift. Eh? And then, oh, he refused. They don't sift. And then the next day they look for someone and say, can you believe Nathan has, has snakes? Shh, but don't tell anyone. They don't sift. Everything they tell him is true. Even if you tell them, it's raining soda. Which soda? Fanta. Oh, let me see. <laughs> they can't get it that it can't rain soda. Huh? <laughs> you know those people like that? <laughs> they believe everything. <laughs> you are judged and you're going to die. Amen. You're not going to die. Amen. You are sick. True, pastor. You are not sick in Jesus' name. Amen. True. <laughs> they believe the X and Y. <laughs> They're gullible. They don't sift. They don't weigh words. As you mature in reasoning and counsel, somebody tells you, this person does this. You don't usually rush. Because if you've grown long enough, someone has also said something strange about you one day. And you even asked yourself. Recently, I was talking with Muchala Kenya, and there are people she went with in school once. And somebody said that now she's married to a Muslim man. You get. <laughs> She's married to a Muslim heart. <laughs> you see, eh? And some gullible person believed it. Huh? You get my point? One time somebody came in the ministry and said, I'd refused to come to Fanero because they told me you are married to three women and all your wives sit in front. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. But you see how people think? Don't ever believe everything you're told. Search out. Good or bad. Eh? Even if it looks like it's gold. First check. Is it gold? Take it to a smith. Let them check it. Is it gold? Some of you, you're born again, your tongue speaking, but they've sold you fake stones. <laughs> Somebody told you this stone. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I even fear crossing the road. How much money do you have? And a spirit-filled believer gets that money out of the pocket and they pay it. And then one was robbed once and they called me and said, Apostle, somebody thinks they've robbed me. And I asked them, what? They tricked me and they sold me things that are not there. And I told them, they've robbed you. <laughs> There's no way about it. It's no two ways. God can't answer the prayer of arresting them. No. No, no, no. You're not prudent. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. But anyway, back to what I'm trying to tell us here. We are stewards of the secrets of God. Job spoke of the secret of God upon his tabernacle. It's through the secret of God that we are able to change the world. 
that we are able to function efficiently and effectively in the world of men. There are many believers out there who are good receptionists, good secretaries, good teachers, good everything, but they are going to live a very average life because they don't understand the secret of God. So, number one, I realized this, that even when we know that there are laws that govern us as believers, not many people are able to receive or accept what God has availed for us. In fact, some of you, it's not that you cannot seek them. It's not that these things cannot come to you, but it is because there's parts in you that are not dealt with and you are not able to take certain things. God, interestingly, only gives you as much as you are able to take, to accept, to chew, to digest, to conceive, to apply what you are able. And some of you, ignorantly, your hearts are hardened. Your hearts are hardened. You're not able to receive and take what God has availed and is available for you. Some ignorantly. It's rare that a Christian will deliberately do something. But it's most seldom that many Christians sometimes will rebel in ignorance. I'll give you an example in Matthew, the 19th chapter. Jesus is teaching about marriage. He gives us a typical example of marriage. And he says that Moses at one point looked at the hardness of the hearts of men. And by the authority given to him by God as a leader of the children of Israel, Moses allowed divorce. He allowed divorce. And the scripture says, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. They are bringing a fundamental issue on marriage that you don't have to divorce because it was never in the mind of God. But you can harden yourself against the oracle of God and say, I'm divorcing. Some of you, your spouses, you were married and somebody left you. They chose. The Bible tells you not to divorce. Yes, but they left. You don't have control over that. But they did leave. Somebody was divorced. Somebody issued a divorce and said, I don't want to live with you. You can do everything you can in the world, but they will not come back. That's them. So, but God tells you, no, if you actually understand my ways, my heart in marriage was that you'd stick in there Although you don't have control over the other spouse. You can stick in and somebody says, me, I'm out. What will you do? Hang? No. Move on. The God of contingencies is there. Shout amen. Now, listen. Next verse, he continues to say, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, now, to those who have had in their hearts, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another committeth adultery, and whoso marries her which is put away doth commit adultery. And the next line says, his disciples said unto him, if the case of the man is so with his wife, it is not good to marry. They also feared now to marry. <laughs> who shall marry? You're complicating things. Now who is going to marry? Are you following what I'm saying? This is an example of an oracle given by God to the church, but some people found it hard. Some of you are asking for a glory you are not able to take 
You're asking for a power that you're not able to take. You're asking for a wisdom that you have no character for. You're asking for a power that you have no humility for. You're asking for a responsibility that you have no understanding. You cannot pay the price for what you're asking for. It's available. That's why if you read the next verse, verses 10, he said, and he said to them, not all men, listen, can accept this saying, but it is for those to whom the capacity to receive has been given. Like it is in this instance of marriage, there are many other aspects in life that some of you are not able to accept because you don't have the capacity, you don't have the conditioning of God, you don't have the humility of God, you don't have the brokenness of God to accept these oracles, these things. You are not able. You cannot obey. It's hard. It will demand an ethic, a work ethic that you're not able to give. It will demand a time that you're not able to give with God. It will demand a certain prudence. It will demand certain hours of study that you're not able to give. It will demand a certain kind of brokenness that you are not able to accept. If you read that in the message version, some of you especially who say, oh, me have prayed for marriage, pastor. Let me pray for marriage, fire. Cast out these demons. He says, but Jesus said to them, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. That is not age, that is spiritual. He says that that marriage requires a certain aptitude. It requires a certain grace to handle a certain man or a woman or even those children. Now, this is the mistake I've seen among Christians. Christians think that they'll bypass that maturity, aptitude and grace, and go to a certain prophet and then he'll say, fire, marriage, come. You've left something here. And like marriage, there are many shortcuts. We think we can provoke the anointing of God to frustrate the pattern and order of the spirit because we think that the anointing in breaking the yoke of what's frustrating us is also going to break the principle of God. <laughs> Let me laugh at you. It won't happen. That is why if you have noticed with no bias, look at anyone who has been raised under a good teacher and get somebody who has been raised under a prophet who can't teach and compare their fruit. It will always be different. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is why I tell prophets, learn the mystery of Christ. Learn to teach because all of us are mandated as ministers to be able to teach. Learn to teach and to be a preacher of the gospel. Those are the things that complete the prophetic office. It's like being an apostolic grace, but you're not able to teach. You can't because these are foundational offices. So somebody thinks that they are going to frustrate. I mean, you have been in church for five, six years, seven years. You know that you're supposed to tithe. Get that tenth of your 100,000. Give God this 10,000. That's a principle. Up to today, you have refused to tithe. But you think that some prophet is going to say, this year, money is coming. Eh. 
this is where I want to go. This is my pastor. You're my pastor. You're my pastor. You're my prophet. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy can teach. And then people around you prosper. Then you start saying, but what is happening here? I think something is wrong in this church. You get your bag, Elizabeth, and then go in another church. Then a prophet spots you. You woman in the back, the Lord tells me that you have been struggling. Oh my goodness. You fall, you throw your bag, and you're weak, and you all... But that said the Lord, you will not struggle anymore. Then the ushers speak in the chairs. What you're fighting is rebellion. For you, you think they're rebuking a spirit of you. No. The spirit in you is fighting tithe. Put her there. Deliverance. Deliverance. Then you stand up and put back your wig. So they cast out. And then you wait one year. Then you have trouble. But the prophet said, God can't lie. Oh yes, God has not lied. He picked what's on you. Not the instruction you disobeyed. Did you get it? He picked what's disturbing you, not the instruction you disobeyed. But God has told you, when you do this, I'll rebuke the devourer for your own sake. That's a simple principle. The devourer is taking things away from you and you're just simply refusing. You see what I'm saying? Now, if you're not faithful in that little, and then they say, this year, deeper glory. Amen. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing to yourself? God has said, be faithful in the little. Some of us are not even in the realm of tithe anymore. It scares us how we give. One time I got a property and God told me, give it out. Huh? I just signed the documents and gave it out. And I was free. Why? Because I have matured to obey God. Something that small might frustrate my next place of revelation because it can actually prove I'm not ready for bigger instruction. These are not things that you go on a prayer mountain to get. These are things you can only get through the place of wisdom. Are you following or learning something? Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, he gave us an example here and said that there are people who cannot receive certain sayings. They can't. You're asking God for marriage, but you are not willing to do the process of maturity. You're not mature enough to handle a man. You can't handle a man. You can't. You can't handle a woman. You can't. Back in the day, there was a girl. She started dating a young man who I knew. And then on a date, he annoyed her. She slapped him. No. He didn't feel pain. No. He was more shocked than the pain. Then he came to me and said, Boso, they slapped me. So, how are you feeling? No, 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 Boso. They slapped me. She slapped me. And I told him in Jesus' name, flee. Because I told him, if they can slap you now, if they can slap you now, wait. If they can 
what now? Before you got into the house and eh, before, ah, if they can slap you now, free. Because chances are that if you have two children, they'll be caning you. Lie down. Six months pregnant, she'll be t- down. Remove your head. Don't look at me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh. Eh? And that is the one who'll go to the pastor, pastor. I failed to get married. Really? <laughs> Christians are very interesting. Are you following what I'm saying? So I start to realize that sometimes it's not these demons that are disturbing us. No, those are simply aftermaths of our own hearts that have refused to respond. And what hurts is you're frustrating the work of God on your life. He knows what you will do if he gives you a certain revelation. You might destroy it or destroy yourself. You might misuse it and frustrate everything that touches it that the next time the right man has it, people are not able to receive it. Because remember, revelation is God's redemptive power. It redeems something in the spirit. You might be under a yoke that you don't even know that you are. For example, do you know many Ugandans are under the yoke of a third world country? They don't have sickness in their bodies. They are eating food. But they are under the yoke of a third world country. You dress like a third world country. You eat like a third world country. You sleep like a third world country. You have an education on yourself. You're a graduated lawyer. Back in the day when you were a lawyer in Uganda, you owned the world. You even pass and the parents say, that's my daughter, she's a lawyer. And then you pass like, you even refuse to look there because you're a lawyer. Eh? Back in the day, your credentials was a, a school. He went to Budo. That I've seen starving Budonians. Do you understand? And successful Chivuli boys. Are you following what I'm saying? So, like Israel, when Jesus comes to them and tells them, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they say, eh? we've never been under bondage. But they're under Roman rule. So it's possible for you to be under a certain cloud without knowing the power and influence it has over you. You just find that there are certain kinds of jobs you have. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. There was a time it just dawned on me once that I was actually living like a third world person. It dawned on me. Some of you might never understand the seriousness of this issue because they pay you three million or two million and you're a supervisor somewhere and you're like, yeah, me, I arrived. Why? Because you put on your suits and ties and you think you're living well. No. In Jesus' name, no. And then I understood what God called us to be. The heads are not the tail. Above and not beneath. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I saw my first million dollar. And I refuse to live like a third world. I refuse. I don't live where you are. Mm -mm -mm -mm. That is why I tell my church members, the first thing you have to do, even before you do the other things, stop living like a third world country. Number one, don't buy second-hand clothes again. Just just them out in Jesus' name. A Korean sweats in a t-shirt and they put it in a washing machine and then you look at yourself in the mirror and say, then you go to church. Somebody shout fire. Begin with a little. Be faithful with a little. You might not be able to afford a first-hand car. That's okay. But begin with the little small things. 
little small things. Anything called second hand, burn it out of your life. And allow God to grow that. Because as we are teaching Christ, we're also getting rid of poverty in Uganda. Because poverty comes with many things. It comes with many things. It comes with many things. Are you following? God has said that learn to be faithful. So there are three things I want to leave with you. Now in the spirit of revelation, if you want to launch in the knowledge of God, deeper revelation of God. Number one, your attitude and response to depth matters. Your attitude and response to depth what? Matters. Because God wants to see the heart that is willing to respond. I'll give you an example. If you have a child, a little child, and then you go to that child and do, Ooh, and the child laughs. <laughs> what do you do? You just walk away. You find that you have to do again, Ooh, and the child says, Why are you repeating this? And you might not know that in expression, certain things are changing. You're giving something and somebody's receiving, isn't it? Now imagine you go before a baby and say, and the baby like, and the baby starts crying. What do you do? You walk away. Because you don't know what vision you're giving this child. You might be seeing Godzilla and they're seeing a dinosaur. And for you, think, do people look like this? You understand? Your face is new. They've never seen a creature like this. It's not human. But for you, you think, so me, I'm like that. If I do a child, and they refuse, I don't try the third, I know they'll cry. I just walk away. I just realize the image is not consecrated in the mind of this baby. See, do you know what happens to God when you are able to respond to the word? You might not even clap. You might clap. You might scream. That's okay. Some of you, you're screaming what you don't even know because it's just enjoyable. But you can scream because you know what you're receiving. You can clap your hands. You might not even say much, but in your heart say, that's it. Thank you, Lord. You will listen to a revelation and speak in a tongue and say, Rato Bodiga, thank you. That little response of give me more. Are you seeing? One time in my university days, we used to go to a certain church for overnight. And so they used to send buses to pick us to go to that church. And I remember very well in my first days when I'd just been awakened, consecrated, this visitation had come and I'd started to see God in 4D. And I remember something remarkable used to happen to me. Every time I was coming close to the church, some excitement would come in my spirit. And I remember coming out of the bus about 300 meters or 200 meters away. And when I come out, I just find myself running. And I enter the church and I'm like, it's as if I've been missing. I'm in my father's house. There's the way he makes me feel. So I understand the psalmist when he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I understood the joy. And some of you, I think, have seen it when you're coming for service. Once you hear people singing, eh, there's the way you feel like you want to rush in. Eh? You're anxious to enter. Your legs are moving faster. You understand what I'm saying? You're late for service in Fanero. 
and people are singing up there and then you just find yourself taking that car up a hill like this. Not that you're running to sit there, but you just want to be there. That is response. God wants that response on Revelation. You see, and then as you're doing that, you bypass somebody on that whatever and they're on a phone like this. They're also coming up there. Hmm. Alex. Are we meeting next week? You can think of Alex's next meeting next week. When fire is up there, Kale, you have guts. Clap for her. Whoever that is. You get how? Do you understand what I'm saying? No. Call Alex after service because the meeting is next week. <laughs> Are you learning something? Someone says, you even bypass them. And say, eh, David, eh? Kasigiri. Mm, <laughs> I remember when the fire just hit me, I was in a Pentecostal church. <laughs> there was a time I used to go to KPC then. Uh-huh. So this guy preached something, and I stood up and said, oh, shut up, how about that day? And then lady sitting next to me, they're like, Like you're shouting, you're shouting. Even as we're understanding, but you're too much. Do you know screaming, eh? And then somebody does this. Woo! You're shouting in my ear, eh? And then you're like. The rest of the service. I sat there, I felt so small because I was shouting for a dear neighbor. Now, when you come to Fanero, if you can't stand that noise, stay on the stream Because, may I understand it? Everyone responds differently and you have to understand that they're not all going to do the way you're doing it. I know you were raised in a good family where people have poise and composure and there's a way you're constructed right. Some of us don't come from there. We come from harder places. So understand. Somebody shout hallelujah. I shouted. So, anyway. You might not shout, but your heart can be glad. It can respond. And don't think that everyone who shouts knows what they're shouting. I repeat, some of you are shouting. I just You have something on your head. You're just stubborn. It's not revelation. You're just stubborn. Everywhere, even at your home. When you're watching a movie or football, you... The same response is on football also. So, Tototisa, you're not scaring us. And don't judge people who are quiet to think they're not receiving. No, 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 no. Who eaters should not judge who he doesn't want. Yes. 
That's number one. Very, very important. Very, very important. Two, learn to share revelation. Learn to share revelation. I have never seen a grace like there is in learning to share. You will always hear yourself opening up your spirit for more. And that's why I said, as a Christian, as you grow deeper in God, you will find that it's so hard not to share. You just find yourself talking with friends and something comes up. Husbands, share with your wives. Wife, when you hear someone and it has hit you, express it. Because in expressing it, you're opening your spirit to actually what? Receive. Some of you, you're hoarders. Eh? You even hold the word. Kali, you can hold your TVs and radios. You know, back in the day, there are people who used to hold. They can keep a TV that died in the 80s. They say, leave my TV. Like I'm saying, learn to share it. And some of you might not even be able to speak. Carry somebody and tell them, I go to this fellowship. Just come and sit. Just come and listen. Invite one person and tell him, come with me. You've preached. You might tell him, I know it. It's there. I have the language, but I might not have the speech. But come and just sit and listen. I feel you need this. That's you. That's you allowing the world to grow. That's why I tell you when I tell you carry somebody, I'm not just telling it to you for the ministry or for them. It's also for you. You're allowing. And you see, usually promotions come with such people. Watch people who usually share this thing. Share devotional to someone. Put it on your status. Some of you, your statuses are always, you know some of you have not matured to understand that statuses are altars. Have ever been around people who everything that happens, if you annoy them, the status will show. If you cross them, the status will give an answer. Not all that you relate with. Are. You understand? Why are you spoiling the altar? You get my point? Some of you vent, your boyfriends break your heart, and the next thing you know, don't believe the frog. You sat <laughs> And they put it on the status. They even put a picture of a frog. Somebody has messed her up. <laughs> stop, stop. Those altars are for the glory of God. Put a devotional. Put a sentence that is revealing God. Yeah. Put a sentence that is revealing God. Put it. You know, there are people whose statuses you want to read because every day they'll say something about God. They will reveal something about God. Those are the people, every day something is teaching. Their statuses are teaching. But some of you on Facebook, you're venting. Some of you even Christians even go into deep politics. You see? Learn to share. And lastly, be quick to respond. Be quick to respond to an instruction. Be quick. I tell people, you're not late at interviews. You're not late at your flights. You never miss flights. No. Flights find you when you're checked in. But you're so slow in the things of God. You can't even come on time for a service. But you're the same person asking, why am I stuck? Because you have a wrong attitude towards the things of God. You put him last. He's not priority. You attend to everything except him. Some of you, you're even on time to surprise a friend on a birthday. Today is Anita's birthday. We have to surprise her. Banange reach Ali. Carol reach Ali. Then you see Carol. 
Why? Because we have to be there by two. Carol is there at one. We have to surprise her. We have to surprise her. Now, if you can make it early for Anita's birthday to surprise her, why can't you make it early in the house of God? Do it one month. Do it two months. You'll start seeing promotions on your life. You'll see them. Because you are faithful. Even with that little. God has said, I'm entrusting you. That's why I tell people, some of you can't even take rebuke in the church. A pastor can say something and you say, ah, I'm not coming back. Why? Guy can abuse. He's not abusing. It's love. But you can't even take rebuke. That means you have conditioned God on how he should speak to you, how he should minister to you. If he goes outside the ambits of your convictions, that is not God. You understand what I'm saying? But God wants you to break. One time, there was a group of pastors. I got a friend of mine and I sat him down and I said, you know, we have these pastors in town who fight each other. Eh? They're always throwing at each other things. And so... These guys turned on Fanero and they started attacking us vehemently. And some we had recordings, some their members used to come and tell us. We had and some on Facebook openly, some did conferences about us. And so I told this guy, you know, we cannot always continue having war in the church of Jesus Christ. Let us get these men in the room and see, why are they doing this? Can we make peace? Not because we need them. I, I don't need those guys. In fact, the kind of flesh in me would say, now, if a guy wasn't there in my uplifting, surely, if I sit down in a room, will he add? Surely no. So there's that kakano part saying, whatever. Then there's this part in me telling me, but you have to do it. So we call these guys. I paid the whole hotel and everything to be eaten. We sat in the meeting. And then this guy sat first day. He abused me for more than an hour. On my pay. Now everything Kano in there is saying, but do you need to really sit under this madness? There's one voice telling you. And then there's another voice here telling you, you have to. And you hear it's God. So you sat the first meeting, they abused us. Second meeting, they abused. That meeting, they abused. And meanwhile, all these meetings I'm paying, in fact, some after abusing, they walk out. They accused us of things I've never preached. I don't even know can be preached. I would even want to hear how a person would preach them. And I kept coming. I understood why Romans said we are a debtor to the wise and unwise. Because we are stewards. You look at a man and the things he's saying are painful. And God says, but you are a debtor. Sit there even to the unwise, because you know so much. So anyway, I sat. Then they gave me a few minutes. After many days, in fact, one of them shocked me. When we are together, he says, man, eh? you're preaching. Good. I like your sermons. So we reached in the meeting, and the guy turned. I warned you. I looked at the man, and I said, eh? in my head, I'm like, is this man even born again? And in Kampala, he's an apostle. Like, can people be this bad? Anyway, after I spoke for about 30 minutes, some of them had even left. But one of the chief guys in there heard me. And he said, I want to apologize before God and you that I had never heard you. 
I'm sorry. And he apologized, of course. That wasn't the bigger testimony. That was one of the testimonies. But then I was taken aback into Zechariah when the Bible says that I will turn the hearts of the fathers to sons and I will turn the hearts of sons to fathers. Now in that scripture, whose heart turns first? Answer me, whose heart turns first? The father turns to the son. But in this instance, we were the ones going to them because that's what African culture teaches, Asian culture teaches. And I remember getting into the elevator and I'm going out of that building and the Spirit of the Lord boldly whispered in my ears and told me, you entered as a son, you've come out as a father. It finally made sense all the hours I sat down to teach because that was what God needed to see in me to make me a father. He told me, you are young, but you are a father in this land. It was stamped. Now, whether you believe it, whether you accept it or you don't, it ain't matter because I had God. I'm fathering this generation, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not. Now, a transaction took place because I sat down for hours of abuse. And for some, they would have done the same if God had told them what was going to come. But sometimes, even when the sure promise is not clear of what will come out, and you have the wisdom and grace to be able to sit under certain things and endure them, sometimes it's the price of your promotions. But many people miss that. Why? Because they cannot accept it. This thing will make you look stupid. It will make you look inferior. It will deflate your ego. It will make you own up even in things you have not done. Be sorry even when you're the right one. But as you continue to do that, I tell people from that meeting, I stood on the pulpit next and I could feel that my message had changed. Not the delivery and the demystification of mystery, but I felt the authority in which I spoke had changed. I knew that a promotion had taken place. I knew it. That a promotion had taken place. I knew it. I saw the kind of people who joined the ministry. I saw the viewerships on YouTube. I saw how men started to respond to me. Men who used to take me common and I knew something had happened in the spirit. And let me tell you, that is the journey of Christianity. That we find ourselves in the humility of breaking into certain things, but it's the only way we can only be promoted. If any of you, Jesus said, wants to be the greatest, let him be the servant of all. But are you able to accept it? Are you able to accept that sometimes, do you know I have people in my own church who have abused me and somebody insults you and God tells you, don't judge them, keep quiet, pray for them because this is who you are. And you will look like you're weak. No, no. I speak to limbs and they grow. I'm not weak. No. Let men have walked under these lips. I'm not weak. But it is the price. It is the process for me to launch deeper because it tells me 
This is the only way I can know that if I trust you with more, you'll know what to do with it. So, allow God. Allow God. Accept rebuke, correction, instruction, exhortation, strengthening. The word will cut you sometimes. It will make inconvenience. Sometimes God is just checking that heart that when you don't have transport, will you come to church? It's those little small things. When you are offended, will you still love me? It's those little small things. Will you forgive? Recently, somebody did something so bad to me and I was going to God and say, God, why don't you do something about this person? And God told me, love him the more because he's empty. And I just found myself the next day hugging the very person who had hurt me. Because that is what makes us different. If you don't learn that secret, there are things that will never come to you because in that is the positioning of God. God wants to take you higher in rank, in authority, in faith. This year, God has told us that the light of sonship is going to shine on our lives. And so it can only be and not otherwise. Talk to God. Don't point. Eh? Don't say that guy. No, 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 no. All of us in this room have places that God has to deal with concerning this sermon tonight. And God is not coming to judge us. He's coming to love and restore us. So just talk to God concerning your issue. Because God wants to grow you. God wants to advance you. God wants to advantage you. God wants to add on you. Mati baladego. Shira paradega. Come on, talk to God. Masharadego sikata paradego zoroborodoko shiraba. Heshan words ever true changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts all at the Heshan Words of life, words of hope, they gave us strength and help us call in this world where we roam. Asian words will guide us home. Asian words, it's ever true. Changing me. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the yes and word. One more time. Yes and words. Ever true. Changing me. We have come. With open heart. Father, we thank you for your word. Deal with us. Break us, bend us. Teach us not only to obey you, but to obey you quickly. To share, to respond, to have the right attitude in the word. And I pray for those of you who are sick, who are troubled, 
who have wars within your houses, your ministries, your businesses, your projects. May God bring those things to an end and restore you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to be born again, repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen.